Okay. Happy Sunday, fun day. This is Talk Stand Up To Me with your host, Amadil. Um, I've had a hard time trying to figure out how to start this whole podcast situation. Uh, so I decided to ask the question, why? And now my brain keeps thinking, why ask why? Drink but drud... <laughs> but dry... Uh, but that's not anything to do with this. Um, I've decided to do this podcast because I love stand-up. Uh, I love stand-up comedy. I love stand-up comedians. If I could sit in a room where a group of people that go up on stage and pontificate about stupid shit all day long, we're sitting around talking... That's where I would sit all day. Um, it's not like there aren't a lot of comedy podcasts out there. There, It is what has made this genre uh, what it is today. You have your Mark Marins. Uh, you have your Robert Kellys. Uh, you have your Chip Chippersons. Uh you have the the big guy in Austin uh, that everybody wishes they could be. Um, you have breaking bread with Papa. You have all these people that that are doing the do and putting out podcasts on a regular basis, talking to their friends who are also comedians, who are incredibly brilliant individuals. So. Why am I running a podcast? I'm I'm definitely not as smart as them. I'm definitely not as funny as them. Uh, but I definitely enjoy them uh, more than some people do. Uh, being a bit on the spectrum, I tend to see things a little bit differently. And... Uh, and... It's always interesting the way that comedy uh, or comedians take that turn. Take the whole audience. You get them set up. You click them up the hill like you're on a roller coaster. And it's clicking and it's clicking. And you think you know when it gets to the top, you're going to start screaming because A. But the thing about stand-up comedians, they go B, C, D, E, F. They take you on a ride that you never even thought about. And then at the end of it you go, that was the best thing in the world. How could I have not thought of that before? It makes so much sense. And uh, so I decided if I'm going to do a podcast, what would I do it about? stand-up comedy it's the one thing in this world that has kept me going uh there's a few things in the world that have kept me going but stand-up comedy is always right there uh reminding me how funny everything else is that's going on around me um it, there are plenty of other people doing this uh, I'm sure I I won't be the best. 
I hope to talk to some fairly interesting individuals, though, along the way. My goal is to get to the part where I speak to people that I grew up going to see. Uh, My hope is that I can speak to a bunch of new comedians that are hoping that they're going to be where those comedians are today, sitting at home, doing Zoom shows, hoping to God the world goes back to normal. Um, this is, this is the, this is the 2021, this is the leveling field, this is the plateau, uh, I was lucky enough to be a fan of comedy during the comedy boom of the 80s, and everything that has happened since, and I'm looking forward to the way that people continue to change the genre to make it work for whatever it is they can do. Uh, Comedians just do. That's the beauty of them, and that's why I like them. They're like the duct tape. It may not be the thing that's going to fix the problem, but it's going to work for tonight. And sometimes all you need to do is to be able to laugh tonight to get to tomorrow. Holy shit, is that weird? Anyway, um, I'm, I'm, f- uh, I'm not the most knowledgeable person when it comes to who wrote what bit first and, uh, and and the nuances between the the different people because. Uh, If you're in front of me on a stage with a mic, unfortunately I'm going to give you the same latitude I give everybody, which means some people who don't deserve it get a latitude uh, and a longitude that they don't deserve. Uh, But it does mean that I get to listen to people that are way smarter, way funnier than me and go, ah... That's maybe how I feel about this situation. Maybe not. Tomorrow, someone else will say something funnier, and I might agree with them. It's how it works. Uh, That's why I like stand-up. It's not about... It's about right now. It's always about right now. It could be you're finding something that was from your past that you think is funny, or something that may happen in the future that you think is funny. But the laugh is always right now uh that's why people don't like doing those drive-in shows colin quinn what what in the house i uh people don't know how to do the zoom calls because of the delay because of the mic issues you know cutting people out when you're when you're trying to be doing something i there's a whole lot of different reasons why stand-up is something that face-to-face, person-to-person, night-to-night, it is as real as the moment is. Uh, and I look forward to exploring more of that as uh, the podcast goes on. And I'm looking at my notes because I don't know how to fill a podcast without making some notes. And, and I'm old school, so I use paper. And uh, I can't see very well, so I 
I use a Sharpie. Uh, fucking... Tr- anyway, um... It's not like anything that I'm going to do here, no one else could do. Everybody else has had the ability and could probably do it better. Uh, But I have this pesky iPhone, and I have this niece who uh, is constantly inspiring me to continue to take risks as I get older. I don't like to take as many risks. And uh, she's still young, in her 20s, and... uh, conquering the world and it's reminding me that sometimes all you have to do uh to beat tomorrow is to step up today and uh I'm hoping that that's a reality um so the reason why I started this podcast talk stand up to me because I don't think there is anything sexier than making someone laugh It's a reason why comedians have always had uh, a special place in our heart. Because if you can laugh at something that other people will cry at, uh, there's a great power to that. Um, I was born in the mid-70s. Probably discovered stand-up when I was five or six. So that brings it right to about a, you know, the early 80s. Um, I was kind of set up to become a comic nerd. I grew up in a divorced family, uh, two working parents. So that meant uh, I had a lot of opportunity to explore my own interests uh, without a lot of uh, oversight. And sometimes even the oversight that I was given, uh, I probably could have done better myself until I got to be about a teenager and then I probably should have used some more uh, oversight. I do remember a babysitter lying in the road the night Elvis died because she wanted to die. Uh, But because I came from a divorced family, I already had coping skills to try to coax her out of the road. Uh, Don't ruin this gig. You guys are giving me stuff that my parents never would, and I don't want to ruin it. Come on. Uh, But so anyways, yeah, I grew up in the early 80s, um, you know, in the early 80s, loving stand-up comedy, comedy in general. I remember my brother making, uh, stop-action claymation, uh, movies. Uh, Oh No, Mr. Bill was definitely one of the, uh, the bits that he borrowed, but he did his own as well, um... And I remember seeing the the power of of laughter, the acceptance. Um, I was fairly awkward. I was an asthmatic little child, so uh, not always 
the most, uh, I definitely wasn't going to make the team, let me just say that. So, finding other ways to uh, get adults to laugh more so than kids. Most kids, some kids thought I was funny, but really it was, I if I could get the teacher to laugh, I mean, I wouldn't, uh, I'd get an okay grade. I wouldn't get in trouble for saying some of the words that I love to pepper in when I was younger. Um, and now I lost my space. So, so yeah, anyways, I grew up in the divorced family between two houses fairly equally. And my older brother was uh, funny and aware of what was going on. Um, being the early 80s, we had cable at both houses. There's some um, lack of uh, some some people say that we didn't have HBO at at my mom's house, and some people say that we did. Um, my recollection is that uh, my mom's boyfriend at the time found a way to enable us to see some pay channels, uh, however that may be. We'll call him Rat Boy. Uh, which was our loving term for him. Um, but anyway, so, and I, and we definitely didn't have HBO the entire time at my father's house. Uh, but we had it a bunch, but the general thing about having it was the idea that we could videotape, uh, the comedy specials, the movies, the thing, the the Fraggle Rock, the things like that, uh, so that we wouldn't have to have cable, because we would have everything on VHS, VHS. Um, so, my father's plan for having cable was to have it and then to not have it. Uh, my mother always planned on having basic cable but wouldn't pay uh, the extra to partake in the above and beyond. Because before that, we had one of those antennas on the roof where uh, if you wanted to change the direction to hopefully get uh, WNDS slightly better, you would uh, turn the wheel on top of the TV that had directions, like a compass, Northwest, and you would crank it, and the and the antenna on the top of the TV would turn and get it into a thing. So, for her, committing to uh, having actual cable was her extent of what she was willing to do. Uh, but because of her boyfriend at the time, uh, we did have access to other channels as well. And because of that, being the 80s, I was able to see 
so much stand-up. Uh, Carlin, Bill Cosby himself, I probably knew word for word. Uh, Delirious came out. I mean, all this stuff, that's all 83. So I was already 10 years old by that point. Um, and when those things started coming out and being able to be watched not just once, but multiple times in a row, uh, I started to memorize these, these bits. Uh, and then, um, because I was what they called a latchkey kid, a kid that would get home and if your parent wasn't home, that wasn't the end of the world. You wouldn't lock the front door and you just do what you're going to do. For me, it f- and it barely ever uh, involved doing homework. Um, I definitely loved the Legos and uh, the action figures beyond... Apparently I whistle like that. Uh, the action figures uh, prior or actually way longer than I should have. Uh, I definitely did have uh, way longer of a relationship with the those toys than I probably uh, would be comfortable figuring out. Uh, but Having cable, having a TV, uh, in my mom at my mom's house, which I ended up spending most of my time, um, eventually. Uh, but we definitely had a, a TV in in my room. And my dad's, it was uh, there was a TV in my brother's room when he eventually went off to college. I could use it. Living room. Having a younger sister, I sometimes found myself watching things. Uh, that I secretly enjoyed, but uh, probably shouldn't have been watching at that age. And um, and then when I had the opportunity, occasionally I would I'd get a chance to to view some things that I found to be amusing. When I was at my mom's, I remember whenever my brother wasn't there because we shared a room at my mom's house. Uh, Watch, you know, staying up late with the TV low, um, and watching Johnny Carson and uh, watching Dave Letterman, uh, and liking Dave Letterman because I knew that my brother liked Dave Letterman because, uh, like most kids, your older sibling, as much as outwardly you might tell people, uh, well, I don't really like them. You thought they were the coolest kid in the world and you wanted to be just like them. So, uh, I remember watching Johnny Carson and he'd have the stand-ups and they'd get invited over to the couch or you'd have David Letterman and, you know, someone with a Velcro suit jumping against the wall or, uh, and, and just truly starting to understand what it meant uh to be funny and to uh and all the things that it could get you i just those moments if i if i if i was a more uh popular kid i might have been places if i was a more athletic kid i might have been at more camps uh but i was just bad enough at all that stuff 
to have plenty of alone time to get to know uh, stand-up comedians and uh, comedies and movies that were done by stand-ups. And the 80s were full of all those awful comedic movies that started with a strong premise and always ended in some calamity that just was a way to go da-da-da-da-da-da end because there was too much coke and 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 not enough follow through on the end of a movie um so yeah so i i pretty much was given the opportunity to have lots of exposure to stand up into comedy and to things that i probably shouldn't have been seeing or doing uh because my family was blue collar and and had to work and trusted that I would do the things that I probably should have been doing instead often I did those other things um so and I also you know each ha- I you know again working class family but working class my you know union family i mean my my mother worked to unionize the rubber factory she worked in my father worked for the phone company so uh there was a stereo in our, in the kids room it wasn't just one stereo in the whole house there was a stereo in in my brother and i's room at my mom's house and there was a stereo in my brother's room, and there was a and a and I had a boombox at my at my father's house in my room, uh, so there was always access to uh, audio, um, and and anything that was in the house, we we had the ability to listen to. It wasn't like uh, anything was off limits. So I remember listening to. Uh, Richard Pryor, uh, uh, George Carlin, Eddie Murphy on on vinyl. I remember listening to uh, old Abbott and Costellos from my you know on tape from my grandparents. I, you know, Buddy Hackett, uh, things like that. So when I was young, I had exposure to a lot of stand-up that the kids around me didn't necessarily uh they might have had cleaner comics or knock-knock jokes and i was getting the full-on you know red fox uh the richard priors that kind of thing um and i'm flipping the page now um and going back to the cable, one of the things that I really uh, remember enjoying are the the showcases. I mean, Rodney Dangerfield had, I think, the raw uh, the young com- uh, comedian special, um, and there were other showcases. And then there was comic relief when people started feeling guilty about the fact that. Uh, America is America and the rest of the world is not always so good. Um, 
Though I think Comic Relief might have been for American Homeless. I can't remember. But anyways, Billy Crystal and Robin Williams and Whoopi Goldberg and everybody else who felt lucky enough to get on that stage. With that being said, I'm just having a visual of uh, the first time that I ever saw the special Off the Wall by Robin Williams. Uh, when he when he ends with the, you know, little spark of, of magic and he puts his finger through the hole of the glasses, got to keep that spark, uh, that just blew my mind. It made me look at comedy, like, I hadn't, I had seen it punchline set up, punchline, that kind of thing, not, not being anything deeper and then when I saw that special, I just remember going, it's that part of that special. If that doesn't make you want to laugh and cry at the same exact time, I don't under, I mean, brilliant, such, such a brilliant moment. Um, and it made me look at stand up in a whole different way. And then uh George Carlin on campus like Carlin to me uh the the use of the of the of the dirty words I uh was a huge fan of again a divorced family uh slightly looking for attention uh, I got a mohawk in the 3rd grade because I wanted to be Mr. T um you know Carlin uh, was a huge thing to me because Richard Pryor had already, I mean, he lit his ass on fire by the time, you know, by the time I really knew what was going on, Richard Pryor was more doing Gene Wilder movies um, to me in my head than, than being, you know, Carlin at that time he was doing an hour special every year and it was on HBO and it was, it was so precise. And so, I mean, he was an assassin. He just, he'd take you on that road and it was, it was amazing. Um, and you know, and I guess that kind of brings me into my junior high life of, you know, staying up late and watching, those late night shows and then the next day uh i i'd either retell the jokes with the setup of where it came from or if the opportunity arose in which uh the square i was sitting next to and the moment given i could use one of those jokes as if it was my own i definitely took advantage of that uh, I'm sure there are plenty of kids that I went to school with in junior high and high school and went, wait, didn't he write that joke? Like, no, I, I didn't. I didn't write those jokes. I, I took them from late night television and I and I used them as my own because uh, I, ap I was apt to have not done the homework and uh, I needed the teacher and the students to laugh uh, so that I could at least get a C. Um, you know, it, I, then I remember learning about 
Second City TV, SCTV, and Saturday Night Live. Um, again, thanks to my brother, you know, John Candy and 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 Eugene Levy and and Catherine O'Hara and that whole crew of uh, Martin Short and that that whole crew of, of people. SCTV to me on on a different level than. Uh, SNL because at that time you know a lot of people had been uh, I don't know SCTV always seemed to be more accessible more attainable uh, something that that a group of my friends and I might be able to accomplish where for some reason uh, by the time I became aware of SNL I felt like that isn't anything I can do. I don't know how to get to that point. That's rock star. I want to be I want to be high school uh talent show winner. I want to be high school talent show winner level and and because I was young, I thought SCTV was that when I didn't even understand how uh SCTV was was on that plateau. And I was just lucky enough to watch it, not knowing any better. Like, uh, every person that that I grew up going, oh, I might be able to do that, were some of the most talented improv actors that this world has ever seen. And I was like, oh, I might be able to do that. What? So crazy. And then, you know, I guess that's... I'm trying to think of when... Uh, so... That transitions into me getting into high school, and uh, I got my license my sophomore year, soft, uh, early in my sophomore year, uh, to my detriment. I got it. Pro- I got it on my birthday, uh, very beginning of sophomore year, and that began uh, the downfall and the be. And the only reason why I got through high school at all, uh, the downfall was I had my own transportation. So uh, I was able to do a whole bunch of things. Again, both of my parents still working very hard, which means as soon as school let out or uh, or they had to be at work, they couldn't control what I was going to do because I had keys to my own car. Um, didn't take me long to blow the head gasket of that car, but I did have my own car and I, and I continued to have, uh, I had worse and worse cars as time went on because, um, because that's what happens. You spend your life savings on your first car, you blow the head gasket, uh, and then you have to quickly buy another car because the thought of being stuck at home or your friends driving you around, completely ridiculous, so, anyways, I get my license, uh, and I start driving everywhere to do anything, and one of the things I started to do was drive down to Boston. Kid from New Hampshire, uh, there's really, you can go to Portland, Maine, but at the time, Portland, Maine wasn't as what it is today. Uh, it's not, you know, it, it was still a port town, and I lived in a port town, uh, and then you can go to Manchester, uh, which I did my first real girlfriend 
What, what? Well, not first real girlfriend. I got first high school girlfriend with a license in which uh, we were <clears throat> intimate. Lived in Manchester, and I, and I met her at the Roller Rink. Happy Wheels, shout out to. Um, so I met her there, but one of the things that got me to be able to date her was I was already heading, I had been heading down to Boston to watch stand-up comedy. And what I had learned uh, at that point was as long as you were willing to pay the ticket price and pay to have food and whatever delivered to your table. I never tried to drink because at that point drinking wasn't something I cared about. Uh, so I wasn't going to be an issue if the place did get raided. Um, but as long as you were willing to pay to get in and pay more than the two drink minimum that was the the price of doing business with those co comedy clubs at the time uh it didn't matter if you were 21 it didn't matter if you were 18 as long as you uh were willing to pay to get in and pay you know i'd sit at a table and you know my fr that girlfriend nikki i brought her to uh, the Comedy Connection, I believe, in Quincy. I don't think it was the Ding Ho. I think it was the Comedy Connection. And I might have been... I don't know if that was the one that was called Nick's or if there was another place called Nick's because I'm old and my brain doesn't work that way. But anyways, Comedy Connection in Quincy, Mass., that's right in the, like, the Faneuil Hall thing there. Uh, I remember bringing her there more than once, and that was one of the things that sealed the deal. Um, but, so, 16 years old, driving down to Boston whenever given the opportunity. Now, I had to have money to pay for gas. Um, I had to be able to get around. I started to do theater at the time, so... I didn't do it as much as every weekend, but I definitely did it as often as I could. Um, I got to see some really uh, amazing um, stand-ups at the time. Um, Janine Garofalo, Jimmy Tingle, um, Bobcat, uh, Stephen Wright. Uh, Lenny Clark, uh, a bunch of guys like that, you know, um, that I hadn't, that I wouldn't have been exposed to other, other than having a license and being able to get to Boston because I would lie about where I was going. Um, and this reminds me that I didn't even get into the whole reason why I started watching stand up in the first place. So, in junior high, uh, you know, comedy booms in full force. Uh, there, you know, monsters uh, of comedy coming and, and playing. My mother, at the time, had a retail store uh, that in the summertime would have a store at 
the local beach, Hampton Beach, which was the 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 most poppingest beach uh, in New Hampshire. That's you know it is New Hampshire, but it was it was the place where people went to, and we had a store directly underneath the Hampton Beach Casino. Um, it wasn't a real casino; you couldn't gamble there, but that's where you know. Uh, the Dead played, The Stones played back in the 60s. Uh, by the time, you know, I'm talking and when I was in junior high, uh, it wasn't necessarily first-run bands, uh, but definitely first-run uh, comedians. Um, and I don't remember exactly when we figured out this whole system, but it came to the came to the point where George Carlin was playing at the casino. It was probably on a Friday or Saturday night, meaning my mother uh was gonna be working because it was a Friday or Saturday night. Um I desperately wanted to go. I was probably twelve, maybe thirteen years old. Um she we it was a twenty one Maybe eighteen plus show. Uh, it might have still been an eighteen plus show, not a twenty one, at that point. Uh, but anyways, I wasn't twenty one. I wasn't eighteen. I definitely wasn't gonna get in. Uh, but if you went with a parent or a guardian, uh, they would let you in. So my mom bought us tickets. Uh, we. When the when the doors opened, she took me from the store, which is directly underneath the casino, uh, in a little walking mall, and we'd walk. We walked up. She gave the the bounce of the tickets. We walked up. We got seated. She, you know, let me. You know, it was kind of a general admission, first come, first serve seating. Uh, I got to, you know, we got to pick a spot. We got settled. She ordered me two diet cokes. Uh, and then she tapped out and she left and went back to work and I got to watch, uh, my first George Carlin show. Um, and then from that point on, uh, at, at least once a year, if not three, um, I would get the opportunity to go and see stand up comedy that way. My mom would walk me. She, through the door when the gates opened, she would get me settled. I'd, I'd, we'd order a couple of uh, Diet Cokes, and she would head back to work. And at the end of the night, I would walk down the back steps, and she'd either be in the parking lot waiting, or her and Roger would be in the back parking lot waiting, and uh, we'd head home. And that was... Uh, one of those added bonuses of having the lifestyle that I had. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I I bought the I remember the first show that I went to go see George Carlin perform at. Uh, I brought money with me, and. That my mom didn't know about. She bought the sodas. She left. I, you know, date rate, date rate, 
I, I wouldn't do it now, but I left the the two sodas on the on the seat because I didn't want someone else to steal the seats. Uh, I went. I got uh, cheese. <laughs> I remember I got chips and cheese. That awful yellow cheese, which I would never eat today, uh, but I so loved it then. And uh, I so I got that, and then there was the first time I had ever seen merch. Uh, I didn't understand what what merch was. I didn't I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't know that every time you went to a concert or to a show that there was going to be t-shirts and or uh, baubles that you could buy uh, for a set price. And so I remember I bought I I had extra money with me that my mom I'm sure didn't know I had with me at the time, um, and I bought. George Carlin uh, concert shirt, uh, and on the front it you know it was a gray shirt with white printing, awful, like not ideal, like not what you would do today. Uh, but I had a picture of him on the front saying George Carlin. On the back it said Simon says go fuck yourself. Now that meant that I would never be able to wear it at school or at a social event as a child. Uh, in which I wouldn't uh, get my mom some flack for doing so, which I most certainly did. Um, but after that point, like I said, at least once a year, if not three times a year, my mom would do that same thing. Get me to the door, walk me in, sit me down with my two uh, Diet Cokes and let me experience something that some adults can't handle. Um, it was like walking in Wonka's Chocolate Factory. And, you know, if if Gene Wilder was there to sing to me, uh, if I would have had the... If I didn't have such bad cowlicks, he probably would have picked that little hair out and done the little song. Um, anyways, at some point I should probably look up the shows from that time period and see which ones I actually went to. Um, I did get to see Gallagher at the casino ballroom, but that's a whole other story. We'll get to that at another time. Uh, it had nothing to do with my junior high life. Um, so, yeah. So, between the split houses... Uh, my inability to perform at athletic events and uh, the immense power of being able to get someone to laugh at you versus hit you. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why I fell in love with stand-up comedy. And that's why I've decided to do this stand-up uh, podcast. So talk stand-up to me because there's nothing sexier. Talk Stand Up To Me podcast. I'm your host. I'm Adil. Uh, we're brought to you every week by Incognito Industries. And we look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. I hope you have a wonderful uh, 2021. Here's to many more podcasts. Uh, fairly similar. Hopefully better. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Bye.